Today is Pentecost. Today is also the day when we first come back to Mass after, I don't know, it's been what, like 10 weeks? 10 weeks because of COVID? Today is also the new beginning of our new parish. This parish doesn't have a name yet. Its name is Christ Church West, but that's not a name. I find this time to be providential, not just providential. I find it to be prophetic. It's like we're living of a prophecy at this moment. And it's important to see that. I mean, that we would actually begin this new parish on Pentecost Day. That's one thing. But it would happen right after this time of COVID. That makes it prophetic. You know, the initial intention of the bishop was to begin it on Pentecost Day, but that was really to show us that he wants a new beginning of a new church, of a new parish, of new life in the church, to uh, be able to reorganize everything and place it at the service of the gospel. But he wasn't thinking about COVID when this happened. And it seems that COVID has made this into a prophecy because the fact that we would come back on this day means that somehow God is weaving in and out of all of this. He's calling us. He is. He's calling us. And it's like with COVID, we have a certain death. And then when, right when we come out, we have a resurrection with this new parish. Now, it's prophetic, I said. It's the resurrection hasn't happened and the death hasn't happened. But in a sense, COVID has really reminded me that <laughs> the church is suffering. That the church follows in the footsteps of Christ. I'm reading the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations is very, very clear once you grasp what it's all about. That the church is called to follow Christ. And is called to follow Christ and imitate Christ. And so the church goes through a period of crucifixion in the book of Revelations and resurrection. It follows Christ all the way to the cross. And it's interesting because if you look at the history of the church, it's always been true. I mean, the book of Revelations is talking about the ultimate end. So it'll talk about the Antichrist and how the Antichrist is one of us that goes against us and betrays us, kind of like Judas, and crucifies the church. But still, even if it was talking about the large picture and the end of the world, it has bearing upon all that we do right now and on history. Let's talk about history real quick. If I look at the history of the church, the renewals have always come through the cross. It's always been by a death that there's a resurrection. It's always been that in the midst of the darkest moments comes this great light that rises. It has been. Look at the 200s. In the 200s, we have the heavy persecution of the church. And in that persecution, we have the blood of the martyrs. And the blood of the martyrs are amazing because for every one martyr that dies, five to ten serious Christians convert. And the church says those famous words that 
the ground of the church is watered by the blood of the martyrs. The year 300, Constantine converts. The whole world becomes Christian or Catholic. And in the midst of this, they all become heretics. They become Arian. And there's this famous moment where Athanasius realizes that he wakes up and the church finds out that it is Arian. Everyone becomes Arian. And Athanasius rises up against it, stands up against it, and brings the church out. In the 400s, we have these famous councils, like uh, the Council of Ephesus. In the Council of Ephesus, you have actually bishops getting into fistfights. Talk about dark. (laughs) And this was in their council, too. It wasn't just like a random bishop getting in fistfights with random bishops. But you have this famous dogma that comes out of it, that Mary is the mother of God, in order to save the fact that the one in her womb is God. He's not just a man. And then after that, you have the beginning of the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages, and all culture is lost. And in the midst of all culture, a man gathers a few other men together. His name is Benedict, St. Benedict. And he saves Catholic culture, and he is like a light rising up. Or later on, 1200s, you have everyone becoming, everyone in the church becoming powerful. And you have St. Francis and St. Dominic walking out on the streets, preaching poverty. In the 1500s, you have the Reformation, the Protestant Revolution, and You have the famous saints and reformers such as St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and you have uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Jesuits rising up. In the midst of the 1800s, when the Industrial Revolution hits, you have great darkness and a much death in the church. But once again, you have a multitude of orders of sisters rising up to respond to the poor. It's only in these deaths that we find resurrection. And right now our, our world is no longer Christian. It is, we live in a post-Christian world. This post-modern world is so critical of everything, so intensely rooted in doubt that no trust and faith can really survive with ease. And so this world, we know it when we look around and we see so many falling, so many falling away, falling in their own moral lives, in their own lives. And there is a certain death. When this came before our eyes, really during this time of COVID, in our own lives, in the government, and the world around us, and the church, everywhere, it came before our eyes that This is a time that the church is struggling. And in the midst of this struggle, another thing is put before our eyes. There's a chance of renewal. God is calling us to be that saint, that person, that group, that parish, that life, that goes against the tide, that swims upstream, that is able to fight 
fight for what is true, right, and good, that God is alive, and that he is working, that there is hope, that we can discover him, and we can live of his grace, that mercy endures. So I really ask you in this Pentecost to invite the Spirit to pray for our parish, to invite the Spirit into your heart, that you might discern what is God calling you to do facing the difficulties that you see in your own life? How is God calling you to respond? I know that in my case, I can't be satisfied with just mediocrity. I won't be sacrificed. I won't be satisfied with just saying, okay, well, let's just pass everyone through baptism and First Holy Communion and preference certificates and all those kind of things and just do it like I'm ticking off a box anymore. I want to walk with people. I want our parish to be able to walk with people on that road which is the life of Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. I want the sacraments to be what they really are, a doorway into the heart of God. I want the sacraments to be a beginning, not an end, not a box to be ticked, but a source of life. And I won't be satisfied myself if our parish doesn't renew. You know, that old Latin saying, renovare conservare. In order to renew, we have to conserve. In order to conserve, we have to renew. In order to conserve what is true in the gospel, we have to renew our parish. In order to remain faithful to Jesus Christ, the one reason why we're here or you're listening to this, we have to. We have to renew. In order to renew, though, we have to come back to conserve. We have to come back to the one thing that matters, the truth of the gospel, the communion of saints, the life of the church. And I cry out with you and to you, are you seeking for the call of God upon your heart? Do you see that there is something more? If the answer is yes, then come, join me, walk with me, because that's where I'm heading. That's where I want to go to. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.